Hello, Mom and Dad. Hi. Hello. Hey, so on this special third episode of OK Boomer, uh, we are interviewing my mom, Terry, and my dad, Eric. Um, This particular episode, we're going to talk a little bit about faith and the role it plays in um, our everyday lives, as well as like specifically for mom and dad, like how they were raised and how they came to be who they are today um, via religion and spirituality, because I think they both have rather interesting stories on this. Isn't that right, mom and dad? Uh, I, yes. We're, we're opposite. We were on opposite scales, but sometimes we get together and sometimes we fly apart, you know? <laughs> like life. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yep, that's us. <laughs> She's one of a kind, a character, a little bit crazy. During these turbulent times, I find a little bit of my mother's folksy wisdom to be really comforting. Welcome to OK Boomer. Wisdom from a boomer to a millennial. Today, featuring mom and dad, my odd couple parental units. Um, yeah, how are you guys doing today? Oh, it's doing wonderful. great. Good. The sun is out. Of sort spring of. is sprung, and the birds and are the out. The day has begun. <laughs> we took a drive. Oh, you took a, in, dr- uh, a drive. It was very essential, essential drive. We, we, we drove to the educational store and picked up some stuff for the grandkids so we could write Mom now knows for me to not get on her case about going out during the quarantine, that she has to say that things are essential. While we're gone, they can read it and said, hey, I had a part in this history-making historical yeah. venue. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Whatever. Eric. Cool. So, mom, mom is, uh, mom and I have talked a little bit about this. So, mom, why don't you start a little bit, and then dad can, then dad can share his. Um, and it's totally fine if you guys want to insert and comment on each other's stories too. That's fine. Um, I just want to hear a little bit about um, how you were raised within the church, um, and if there's anything in particular that like started to change you as you, as you got a little bit older and then we'll, we'll go in later about uh, the two of you coming together and, and how that, that changed once you actually oh. met. Okay. Well, uh, I was raised in a four square Pentecostal church in Fullerton, California. And it was uh, wonderful. I, I loved it. I sometimes doubted if people got saved, not saved, but healed, because we had a lot of tent revivals, and Amy McPherson was uh, the head of our church. Uh, on occasion, she would come to Fullerton, Southern California, and speak, but my grandmother was a great believer in that, and uh, the time in the early 50s. So, Mom, for those and, uh, those people who don't know about um, that type of Pentecostal church, can you explain a little bit, like, what, what a typical Sunday would look like? Well, there would be a lot of people speaking in tongues and uh, uh, then other people interpreting what they had to say with the Scripture because you're not supposed to do it unless somebody interprets for you. Grandma told me that. And, so that uh, way you're not just, like, showing off. You have to actually yeah. be... Be, be giving something that somebody else can, like, translate to everybody else? 
uh, somebody could translate because if they spoke in an unknown tongue all the time, I said, Grandma, I don't understand what they're saying. And she said, well, that's why some people are blessed with interpreting the scriptures. And I said, oh. And as a child, I grew up in that, and I, I grew up in the the uh, tent revivals where people would get healed, and some wouldn't. And I asked my grandma, how come that stutter didn't get healed? And she said, he'll have his own time sometimes. We just got to believe. And <laughs> Did you I just now? Didn't did understand. you ever speak in tongues? Well, uh, no. I I mimicked them as a child. You know, every child will probably mimic, and I didn't think I had the gift, or I was old enough to have the gift. Can but, uh, can you tell Can you tell me what it sounded like when you mimicked? Well, I would mimic, and I would go, "Oh, shandalaya, 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 shandalaya." And, and Grandma said, don't do that. That's not right. <laughs> I said, why? She said, you're making fun. I said, I'm not making fun. I just would like to speak in tongues. And uh, she had the gift, but she didn't show it off. She would, I think she was a closet. Uh, uh, a closet tongue speaker? <laughs> tongue speaker. Yeah, she did. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> she <Erica>. did. She, <laughs> she would. Uh, oh, God. She <laughs> said, you don't have to show off like the like the Pharisees did. She said, you just can pray and your closet, and that's what she was. And and then she'd rock in her chair and pray for the whole world. And but not in not. tongues. But not in tongues. Okay, because she'd have to interpret for herself then. I know, but she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> now, was your mom also but, Pentecostal? She was raised Pentecostal, but I don't believe she ever spoke in tongues because uh, uh, she was kind of a— in the church, they thought she was a little bit touched— because she was a very creative person and she liked to drink a lot. And <laughs> that doesn't go with the Pentecostal faith. She liked to, uh, she was a cocktail waitress. And <laughs> Dad's enjoying <laughs> and a, and a And a, you know, bartender. And uh, she was a psychologist, you know. She listened to people's problems just like they do in the church. But she was a believer. I, I remember one time somebody tried to save her and she said, listen, stop it. We were in Vegas at that time. She said, I've been saved many times, and you don't have to try to save me right now. I know what God tells me to do, and I'll do it. So and, that's what I wanted to tell you about my first bringing up with my mama. And what was uh, what were the sermons about, usually? Oh, hell, fire, and brimstone. Gosh, I was so worried that I was going to go to hell, but then I got to talking to my mama and my grandma and and I hadn't sinned and I said why why will I go to hell I'm I'm a good person and and so I would pray and I said God come into my life and I want to go to heaven I want to go to that place that that golden place what do you mean you hadn't sinned Terry I didn't think I sinned I was just a 10 year old she never thinks she sins no 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 Uh, I have evil thoughts you know and then I'd say, get away from me, Satan. You know, get behind me. Uh, everybody does. We have a, what do we have? We ha- On our shoulders, <laughs> we, have, we have an evil person and we have a, 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 a good person. A devil and Kinda an like, angel? Yeah, like Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. Um, not, he's not a saint, though, Jimmy Cricket. Oh, God. <laughs> he's just a Jimmy, cricket. <laughs> he's just a cricket, and he always says, you know, you listen to this one voice, he told Pinocchio, and listen to this other voice, you got to do what's right. Oh. I, and I, talk to your dad a little bit. 
I think I think from now on I got to do it with both of you all the time because. Oh, this is funny, just hearing... I'm sure you can already start to hear in my dad's reactions how much he just admires and enjoys my mother. I love that. Now, Dad, um, how does your your upbringing contrast from mom's? Are there certain ways in which it was similar, or was it completely different? Different, different, different. Really? Okay. Yeah. Go for it. I was was raised uh, in the First Southern Baptist Church in Monette, Missouri, at 4th and Broadway, where I attended church from the time I was born until I went to college. 18 years of it. And I have pins for virtually every year that I attended Sunday school every Sunday. And even when we went on vacation, I went to church with my, which vacation was always to my grandparents' house, who was also a minister. And not also a minister because my dad wasn't a minister. But he was a minister, and so we always went to church, and I went to Sunday school, and that was counted. So I probably wound up with 14, 15 years of perfect attendance for Sunday school. Really? What if, what if you yes. were sick? You don't get sick on Sunday. <laughs> I'm sorry. You shine it's, your shoes on Saturday watching Gunsmoke. It's, it's the Lord's Day, so you go. Uh, very seldom, you know, was I sick, first of all. Yeah. Period. The only time I remember actually being sick and having to miss school or anything, because I never skipped school or missed school, you know, I had perfect attendance in school the same way. But, uh, you know, that's just the way we were raised, you know. If you could walk, you could go. So we did. And, uh, but in the Southern Baptist Church, we were. You know, we didn't speak in tongues, and the one scripture that spoke about speaking in tongues in the New Testament was explained by the fact that when the apostles all spoke at that day, they spoke in different languages, not a totally foreign tongue. And they just spoke in different languages to the different people that were there. And that was the explanation we had for speaking in tongues. Uh, you know, you don't go Shandala, Shandala. <laughs> you just, you know. Shonda rhymes, Shonda rhymes, Shonda uh, rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> Sondheim, Sondheim, Sondheim. Sondheim, Sondheim. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, as far as, you know, heard a lot of, and all the time I've been in church until I started going here, uh, the sermons basically were based on salvation. Uh, they weren't really hellfire and brimstone for the most part, although revivals were, and revivals at that time were two weeks, and we went every single night. Wow, and how long were those? Oh, anywhere from an hour to two hours a night. So it's like the the stories I hear from... Um some of my friends, uh, African-American friends who talk about like a, a, a black, uh, Baptist service. Cause I, like, I don't remember them being that long when we grew up Southern Baptist. I remember it still being about oh, an hour, weren't. maybe an hour and a half. But if you yeah. like felt the spirit, you know, they'd be like, Oh, we might be in there for a couple hours at least. Yeah. And the, the extended service time now, Sunday morning services were recorded there at Monette. And so they had to start at a specific time and stop 
at a specific time. So if the if the time to stop came up, then they stopped the service for the radio. But then they would go ahead with the time, the invitation time. A lot of times, you know, it would carry on for five, ten, fifteen minutes if the preacher decided somebody in here needs to be saved and let's all pray for him. That's what we did, you know, and uh, so. You know, the extended service times were usually because of invitation times. Okay. But what if the Spirit moved? Didn't they go on for no, hours spirit, and hours? the Spirit doesn't move in the Baptist Church. Well, we went on and on and on until <laughs> that night. And I thought, what are we going to eat? And I need a nap. Well, the, the, the crazy thing is when we had revivals, we would go to revivals, but the kids would all take their homework and do their homework oh, on weeknights. No. Yes, we would. You know, wow. how else are you going to get your homework done when you're there from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock? <laughs> you know, the teachers aren't going to say, oh, you were in revival, that's okay, you didn't have to do it. That didn't happen, so we did our homework during the revival time. So when you do... But, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go, well, I was going to say, you know, a lot of churches believe you could, you need to be saved again and again and again. The Southern Baptist Church, no. Mm-hmm. Once saved, always saved. And you could rededicate your life. If you were living in sin, you rededicated your life. And boy, did we. Well. A lot. You didn't believe in backsliding like our church. Mom, backsliding. Well, no, we believe in backsliding. Oh, okay. But when you backslid, you rededicated. You didn't get saved again. Well, I did. Once you're saved, you're always saved. That's just the way it is. You know? And that's you know we we didn't we didn't do the hellfire and brimstone stuff that much, but I guarantee you that after going to the Southern Baptist Church for a little over fifty years, I got to where I could preach the sermons before they even opened their mouths <laughs> because it basically was the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, nothing about you know. What's going on today? What's happening in the news now, or anything about? How do you apply it to your life now? today? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you you applied your life biblically. So the two of you met while you were in college. You went to a uh, like a like a mom started it as a boarding high school, and then it also fed into this mm-hmm. college. And the college itself was religious based. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And Chris. did you both attend church there, or did you attend your respective churches? No. No, there was one church. Presbyterian. It was Presbyterian church, and it was it was the school was uh, sponsored, or the Presbyterian church helped sponsor it. So the the minister was Presbyterian, and uh, the service was a Presbyterian service. So, what was this like for you guys? in comparison with the way that you were raised, because you were both raised in not Presbyterian churches. I I loved it, because we had a lot of communion. <laughs> but not wine. It was just grape juice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, we, we didn't have a problem going to church, because we both sang in the choir. And we were required to, and then, well, we didn't sing in choir, and we would skip out. Our music teacher would put... The curse on us, not the curse, but the guilt. 
say, where were you? Well, we went out to party and we didn't come back. <laughs> and then he's our, like our But dad. we didn't do that very often. Yeah, I bet. Except during the, except during the summer. <laughs> and, and then we did it a lot. <laughs> did you did you two talk about religion at all while you were there in the way that you were raised, or no? Maybe a little bit while we were there, but uh, I don't honey, remember. we were not interested it, at that time in religion. Religion wasn't the big thing there. Okay, uh, the sermons. I got really good at you know falling asleep with my head up without it nodding off. Or if the choir was full enough, you didn't have to sit in a pew. You could sit on the floor and just sleep. I never did that. Yeah. I did that a lot. Uh, I didn't know that. Here's, Here's what I remember growing up. So I started out, like when I was born, you guys were going Southern Baptist Church, and then we went to a Methodist church, and then we went back to Southern Baptist Church. I remember. Yes. So, Dad, the reason we went to the Southern Baptist Church is um, Dad was also the choir director at both of those places. And um, he was in the choir. They were both in the choir in uh, the Methodist Church. And I remember Mm -hmm. Dad drawing a lot. Like, I'm sure little me thought that he was taking notes on the sermon, but as I got older, I started looking at his doodles. I did. I, I did a lot of doodling. I learned that in, in the Baptist church at Monette because what I would do, I practiced calligraphy. Yeah. And I also, I would fill in O's or zeros with an ink pen, just fill in the middle. And I would go through the whole bulletin, the church bulletin, and just fill those in to pass the time of day. Wow. I paid attention. Because I'd heard the sermon before. Yeah, okay, so so you guys talk a little bit about, and we'll go back a little bit about like how, how you raised me and everything, but talk a little bit about where you go now and how compl- is that completely, because it seems to me like it's completely different than where you went before. It's, it's, go ahead. Go ahead. No, ladies first. Okay. Um, you are a lady, right? <laughs> I am a lady. Um, it's uh, people from all different faiths, that believe in social justice, and that's why I really love this church. Yeah, and another thing that's different, especially from Southern Baptist Church, in the Southern Baptist Church, we would give, uh, you know, out of the offering that was taken, the church itself would give to foreign missions a certain percentage that was taken in, and to home missions, which meant in the United States and Missouri. And, uh, you know... But as far as actually doing anything in the community, I can't remember us doing very much at all, except maybe on Thanksgiving, uh, having a time when we would invite people in to eat. But other than that, that wasn't done in this church. Like Mom said, it's, it's social justice, and it follows the what's happening right now in our world, in our United States, and in our state, and in our city. Uh, You know, for a small congregation of, I don't know, there's probably 70 or 80 members with about 30 to 40 attending normally. Yeah. Uh, You know, we, we do a lot as far as 
going out and we go to the the food harvest and help pass out food for several years. There was a homeless shelter that we fixed food Feels for. Fields place, yeah. Uh, you know, on a weekly <clears throat> basis. And, you know, it was basically, mm-hmm. hey, we do something now. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it. We don't show what's happening in the foreign countries that we're going to. We're doing it here. And And... I think it was very valuable to teach our grandchildren that because the boys, would, our grandsons would get excited. They'd say, we got to make homeless, uh, we got we got to feed the homeless. And they would make all these ham sandwiches. And your dad had a, a place where he said, okay, da- Papa lay, lays the bread here and we got the cheese and the ham. And he had it all coordinated. And I'd just slap it together. But he says, no, no, there's a... There's, there, there. You gotta. You, you know, yeah. that's the main difference between your mother and I, right? Yes, you, yeah. you have a method for everything. <laughs> he had a method, and and the kids, kids wanted to see it. So we would make all these sandwiches, and we take them to the Bills place, and we never knew who was going to get in a fight. Or you know, uh, they get jealous sometimes, uh, the homeless people, because uh, you give them too many sandwiches. But we try to, uh, to take care of that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, when we made sandwiches, we would make between 75 and 125 sandwiches for that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, But since the crowd got kind of wild sometimes, uh, the grandkids wanted to go and look at them. And I said, no, uh, we'll have to, <laughs> I don't know. No, that's not what they wanted to do. They wanted to help. They wanted to help, not just to look at them. They God. wanted to sit, they had, they had to sit, one of, we had to take turns. <laughs> Quit laughing. We had to take turns um, for sitting uh, in the car with them. But they wanted to see the people eat. And just like you when you're little, remember It doesn't surprise me listening to these stories now about how my parents do all of this work for people who are less fortunate. Even when I was growing up and money was very tight, They always took of what little they had and made sure that they had enough to feed other people, clothe people if they needed it, and provide temporary housings for a lot of kids that were going through a hard time. So these acts of charity don't surprise me. But what does surprise me is that my parents, unlike so many other people who, as they get older, tend to get more conservative, my parents have become far more liberal, opening up the lines of communication for conversations such as this one, which I may have not always felt so comfortable having. It is interesting to see how the how um, the way that you both were raised maybe has had a big impact on the way that you act in the world in terms of just like I said with dad having a methodology for everything and mom being more led by the spirit so to speak. Um, She's still led by the spirit, believe me. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's it's true. Like mom just. However, mom feels she she does it, right? And yes. and dad's much more like this is what we do and we do it this way and there's a right way. Um, and you're less like that now, but you still like you have your you have well, you have your I, traditions. I, with everything to a fault, I'll have to say, I stop and think about, okay, why am I doing this and what's the purpose of it. And is it something that I want to do, first of all? And is it something I should do? You know, I, I go through a series of things before I actually take something on. Now, was that taught to you it's by like, the church? And if it was, how did that 
backfire? Because I'm hearing that that could be something that could backfire on I, people. I don't <laughs> think that was so so much from the church, although, you know, uh, I think in terms of moving forward, even our government moves forward faster than our church. Mm-hmm. Or a lot, some of our churches. Uh, so... You know, a part of that comes from that. A part of that was from my upbringing in my own home, which my dad was, after he, they had kids, why they kind of changed. They used to have parties and drink beer and play cards and all this kind of stuff. And once the, you know, once they got into church, why the beer stopped. They still had the card parties, but, you know, there was no alcohol except dad's little stash down in the basement underneath the, the oil rags. Specifically. For, for Other than that. His crown. You know, for and, medicinal. Yeah, and, and mom always had rum up in the cabinets because she made fruitcakes. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't make a good fruitcake with that good rum. So. Now, she was raised back. Anyway. <laughs> She was Methodist. Part of the reason I'm asking this is I remember um, you guys always taught me to be, to question everything, um, which I think is interesting in that, like, a lot of religions don't really want you to question things. I always figured if if one of you were Jewish, then I would have, you know, grown up in the Jewish faith and and been very good at that because I, I like asking questions about things and not necessarily arriving at an answer, but just learning from it. Um, doesn't always work so well in some religions. Um, and when I was growing up, that happened to me. Um, well, it happened to me in school as well, asking too many questions and teachers getting mad at me. But um, I stopped going to Sunday school in high school because um, they asked us what we wanted to learn, and I said I wanted to learn about the Old Testament because, like you said, Dad, they just preached New Testament over and over and over again. And I said, what about all these Bible stories we grew up with as kids? Like, how does that apply to us today? Like, what does that actually mean? And so they said, that's a great idea. Let's talk about it. But unfortunately, um, they had a special person come in and teach us about the Old Testament. And she had just been to the Creation Museum in Texas. So we just had a month long of the Earth is 6,000 years old. Dinosaurs walked with man. All of the volcanoes went off at the same time in the world, and that's what created the Great Flood. Yes. And I kept asking questions like, well, what about carbon dating? Oh, that can be off, you know. And, and I, I just I asked so many questions. I got so tired of sitting there and listening to this. I'm like, this isn't even in the Bible. How can you possibly be teaching this to us? Um, because you guys had always taught me that it was a metaphor, and like the, the, the seven days, right, was... A metaphor and, and, yeah. and that, you know, um, evolution was a reality. Um, so for me, that's when I quit going to Sunday school because I just couldn't bear that. Did you all have something like that happen with you growing up where you were told, like, you're being a bad kid, you're asking too many questions, or something that just always bothered you that you kept to yourself? Oh, I had several. <laughs> Go ahead, hon. I think my, my very first one was... Communion, and in the Southern Baptist Church, communion was and is closed. I assume it still is. I don't know. I haven't been there for several years, and so I asked my dad about it. You know, why do we have closed communion if this is supposed to be 
you know, something that is for the people. And he gave me the good old Pat Southern Baptist answer was that this is for our congregation, our group. And as a matter of fact, you know, visiting people from other Southern Baptist churches actually weren't supposed to take communion. Really? Although Mm. they Mm. could if they wanted to. But no, it was just supposed to be your local church. And, you know, I... By the time I asked that question, I knew enough to not question too much because that's kind of the way my dad was and the way the church was. But I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I just knew it. And I, I just kept that, and that's probably the first time I questioned, you know, not a, none of these people have all the answers. And mom, you you always had trouble with uh, the preaching against gay people in the church. Not that dad didn't. I'm the, just saying I remember specifically mom you you being upset and you know I don't remember if you left services or did you just quit going to services when that started to be the focus. Well, dad and I took you to the to the uh, the AIDS quilt march because we had I had a former student. That, that Tanya and Pat had made a quilt for, and Billy was one of our own. He was one of our students, and uh, he was gay. You know, I always, your dad and I always had a lot of gay kids in choir, which we loved dearly. They were good musicians. They were very creative people. But uh, Billy uh, uh, died of AIDS, and uh, I wanted uh, you kids to walk in the, the parade to uh, showcase this quilt which I was very, very proud of. And then they had the service. And people uh, from Mansfield said, why did you bring your kids to that? And I said, well, because people we love have died of AIDS. Yeah, but that's a gay disease. I said, no, it's not. Because a lot of children were dying of AIDS at that time, too. A lot of people uh, everywhere were dying of AIDS. Yeah. Yes. They didn't see it, and we just ignored them. Well, the only ones, basically, that were being reported were the were the the gays mm-hmm. okay yeah. and it wasn't until several years later that oh guess what and you know that is probably the first thing that starts sending you messages of wait a minute they said that wasn't a problem with straight people but it is yeah. hmm, and they lied they lied and, and it's not a problem until it affects them yeah. And their family. Which is, as you would say, not a very Christian thing to think about, right? No. But Jesus would accept them because Jesus was a rebel. So how do, how do you all feel now? And I know this is partially because of the ra- way you all raised us, because it was really different. Um, it was, yes, we were raised in the church. We went a lot, but also... Um, not with the kind of not with the kind of guilt that a lot of people had put on them in our area in the Bible Belt. Um, and we were also raised around people of many different religions. And we mm-hmm. right. I, yes. I also think it's really funny. Um, 
mom, what was your answer anytime I asked if somebody was going to hell or not? Because I was always afraid. Yeah, you would I was, worry about if oh. they were indie or, you, or if they were Jewish. They were then. I said, honey, they're all going to heaven. It's just like a big freeway. <laughs> we're all trying our very, very best to, to be the best that we can be and make it to heaven. Mom, I've told you this before. Uh, my husband said to me once, uh, He's like, we were both so funny when we first got together. You thought you were never going to die because the rapture would come before you before you got old enough. And I thought I wasn't going to die because the singularity would have been achieved. <laughs> um. <laughs> but, you know, this is a very personal thing to, to speak about. You know, religion is very personal because of its... But, between you and your own soul what you believe and we can learn so much the more I learn the more I find out I don't know no, I don't know enough. I don't know nothing um, I, I don't yeah, know do you, anything how do you both uh, handle the fact that, that your kids all sometimes attend church but none of us are really religious how how did it, does it was that difficult for you or were you at the point where you're like well no. they're good kids whatever I'm well, very proud of yeah, you. you. You know mom doesn't have a problem with that. You're speaking mostly to me. Does that bother me? And my answer to that is it doesn't bother me at all because my idea of religion right now is I don't want religion. The spirituality part of it, that's what I want. Oh, Dad. And as far as, as, far as organized religion, no. You know? There's none of them that I totally agree with, so why should I join something that I agree with 75% of or 50% of? Mm-hmm. I can go and enjoy a service, yes. Some of them. Some of them I don't, because, again, I could preach mm-hmm. most Southern Baptist sermons in my sleep. <laughs> um, you know, the other day uh, we were talking about a mantra. A mantra, mantra, a mantra. Yeah, <laughs> mantra. yeah. Because you, you've always kind and of employed a little bit of uh, everything, a smorgasbord of, of religion options. A smorgasbord. <laughs> well, uh, I used to say when I was younger, and I didn't even know about Voltaire or Candide. I used to say, I had the best of all po- possible worlds because the way I was raised. And then, but my my mantra now is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Sometimes I don't know the wisdom. And wine when you just give up. <laughs> wine or wine? Wine. <laughs> what would be what would what would be uh, something you would want to leave? Um, the future generations with with uh, your spiritual journeys as you've gone through, and now oftentimes a lot of people. Uh, let's not talk about religion because that's that's what we've now we, we've discussed. We want to talk about having faith in something, um, having faith in something that's that's bigger than your own body, um, whether it's in others or mm-hmm. um, uh, an energetic power that connects us all, or goodness, or whatever that might be. Um, I know a lot of people don't have it or they have a hard time having something when things feel so dire. I, I think my, my, my main thing is that uh, I go back to the word spiritual. 
because I, I feel that I am a spiritual being. Uh, am I going to tell everybody they're a spiritual being? No, I'm not, because my spirituality is mine. It's not mm. yours. It's not your mother's. It's not your brother's. It's not your friend's. You know, what I believe in, there's going to be some differences in what everybody else probably in the world believes in, if they're honest. You know, if we were to sit down and write down, okay, these 100 things I believe in, they might say, hey, I can agree with you on 80 of those. That means that they don't believe like I do. That's fine. Mine is for me. And I live my life the way I, you know, and I'm sure a lot of it has happened in growing up in the Southern Baptist Church. Uh, meeting your mother changed some of those, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Having kids changed some more, and having grandkids changed some more things. So it's, I, I think it's an ongoing thing, spirituality is. Hmm. How about you, Mom? Well, got to go back to, I believe, in the best of all possible worlds. Whatever you have, do the very, very best. And have faith and don't give up. That's my hard times going to come. <laughs> hard times. You can go ahead and finish hard that, Eric. times <laughs> come again no more. And I think about our answers, just lift through, and we can do it. Well, you said to me... Um, we were talking about how some people look at this crisis and they're like, well, we're all in the same boat or we're all in this together. It's like, well, we're kind of in it together, but some people are more in it than other people. Some people have it harder, you know, and it is hard to, it's hard to give advice when you're in a better situation when, than somebody else is. I get that. I know I'm asking you something impossible, but, um, correct. So mm -hmm. what about those people who can't work? and can't afford things and can't oh go home. Gosh. And, you know, um, I know that who has that answer, but are there any, are there any silver linings to be had? What do you think? Maybe it's no. Maybe it's no right now. I, Maybe it's I, you no, have to wait. No, I, I believe there is because if you've gone through the fire, you can always see the rain coming down sometime, but you've well, got to wait for that. Yeah, but my only problem is, there's going to be people who go through the fire and not going to come out of it. And I, I'm not talking just about death. I'm talking about the way they feel about the world. Yeah. There's going to be people who completely lose their faith in everything that they believed in. And it's going to change people, you know? Yeah. Some of us, hopefully, a lot of us, you know, it'll change us for the better. But we have to understand that in this world, there's a lot of people who it's going to change for the worse. And now those of you listening can hear more of how I feel about the world <laughs> through, my well. through my father's <laughs> eyes. No, but mom, you're also like that too sometimes. You'll, you'll, you'll just say, well, this is how it is and things really stink right now. Like there's not a great it, it solution stinks, to it. And we're not in the same boat. But my mother used to say, you know, my ships come in, even when we didn't have anything to eat. She said, my ships come in, it's coming in, kids, it's coming in. And I said, when's going to get here? 
And then someday she said, I think it's sunk, but I think it's another one's coming in. <laughs> well, and maybe so the answer to is that. coming together as a community and doing what you can to help others when you're finally in the position oh, where is. you can. It's helping others. That's it. Help somebody else worse off than you. If they complain about, uh, complain about the roots, they, they don't have any roots in their hair. You know, their roots are a different color. Their roots, you know, like complained about. I can't get my hair done. Well, they have hair. My God. Some people have gone through, they don't have any hair. You guys are great. Always. Thank you so much. Um, Love you. I know, Thank you, sweetie. I know that this stuff isn't easy to talk about, and I really appreciate you talking about it. And part of the reason I wanted to do it is because it matters. It's important. And sometimes the most difficult things to talk about are the most important. You're oh, right. It is. And thank you. Thank you, You're sweetie. Welcome. I love you. I love For you. being, first of all, a wonderful daughter and a wonderful interviewer. Oh, thanks. Oh, love you guys. Yeah. Love you.